we are invited to the Lord's table today. It's always nice to be invited to somebody's house for dinner. But we're in the Lord's house today, and uh, this is a very special eating and drinking. Jesus went away, and before he went away, he left us a picture of himself. I've seen a lot of pictures of Jesus, and some I like and some I don't like so much. People have made lots of pictures of Jesus. But this is the authorized picture of Jesus. He said, by this, remember me until I come back again. When someone has gone away from us, their picture becomes very important. We look at that picture and we long for the day when they will return. Jesus said, this is how I want you to remember me. The bread of life, (laughs) broken for us. The blood shed of the perfect lamb, which washed away our sins. He said, I want you to remember my death. On a happy day like Easter, we don't like to think about suffering and blood and death. And yet, Easter would be nothing without the cross. Because it was at the cross that Jesus paid for our sins with his blood. He gave himself in our place as our substitutionary sacrifice. He took our place and died for us. And he says, I never want you to forget that. Remember me by these things. The Apostle Paul writes in regard to the Lord's Supper in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 23, for I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, That the Lord Jesus, in the night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup also, after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. And then Paul adds a warning label to this bread and cup. Here's the warning label. Therefore, whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner shall be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. But a man must examine himself. And in so doing, he is to eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For he who eats and drinks, eats and drinks judgment to himself if he does not judge the body rightly. For this reason, many among you are weak and sick and a number sleep. 
But if we judged ourselves rightly, we would not be judged. But when we are judged, we are disciplined by the Lord so that we will not be condemned along with the world. So then, my brethren, when you come together to eat, wait for one another. He warns us that we as individuals should examine ourselves before we partake of this bread and this cup. We must first examine ourselves as to whether we are in the faith. Because taking communion is not a way to get saved. We do it because we're saved. Because we've put our trust in Christ, then we partake of this bread and this cup in remembrance of Him. Secondly, it is a signification that we are in fellowship with God. That is, we know of no unconfessed sin in our lives. Any sin that we have been convicted about, we have confessed and forsaken before God. We are professing our faith in Christ when we choose to partake. And we are also confessing our fellowship with God. I love 1 John 1.9. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Jesus said it to Peter this way, you've had a bath because you've believed in me, but to come to the table, you've got to wash your hands. Did your mother make you wash your hands before you came to the table? Did you wash your hands? She'll say, get back there and wash your hands. When you come to the Lord's table, he says, make sure you've washed your hands. Make sure that you have confessed and forsaken any sin that comes between you and him so that this is truly fellowship with God and with one another. Jesus said, if you come to offer your gift at the altar and you have something against somebody, go straighten it out with them first, then come and offer your gift. It is a signification that we are in fellowship with our brothers and sisters in Christ. We're not holding any grudges. We're not holding anything against each other. We are in sweet harmony with God through Jesus Christ and through one another because we walk in humility. Humility is not going around saying, I'm no good. Humility is admitting our sins to God and others. As we do that, we walk humbly with God and with one another. And so it is a privilege, a high and holy privilege, to be invited to the table of the Lord. I would encourage you, as the elements are distributed, to talk to the Lord. Confess any sin that the Holy Spirit convicts you of. And yield to Him. And talk to the Lord. Make this a time of personal fellowship with the Lord and corporate joining together in fellowship at the Lord's table. What a privilege to be invited here. And one of the things that always takes place at the Lord's Supper is the blessing of the bread and the blessing of the cup. And we'll be led in prayer for the blessing of the cup by our deacon Mark Massingill at this time. Pray with me. Father, we stand before you thankful that the perfect body of Jesus was broken on our behalf that we could be restored to you. In Christ's name, amen.
Jesus said, This is my body which is given for you. Let us partake of the bread together. We'll be led in prayer by one of our deacons for the blessing of the cup, Tim Beck. Let's pray. God in heaven, as we take this cup and remember you, I ask that you remember us. There may be those here that are in need of salvation. And Lord, what better day than Easter Sunday to add to that great number. So I do pray that you make it so. In the name of Christ Jesus, amen. Jesus said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Let us partake of the cup together. Father, we thank you for inviting us to your table. What a delight it is to be with you and one another and to remember your death until you come. We thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. I have one announcement to make, and that is that there will be a supper on Wednesday night prior to prayer meeting. And if you are coming, please contact the church office. For our scripture reading today, uh, we are reading from John chapter 20 and starting in verse 24 through 31. So in honor of God's word, please stand with me. And I will read verse 24, and then we will all read verse 25 and down through the passage, the remainder of the chapter. But Thomas, one of the twelve called Didymus, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples were saying to him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see in his hands the imprint of the nails, and put my finger into the place of the nails, and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. After eight days his disciples were again inside, and Thomas with them. Jesus came, the doors having been shut, and stood in their midst and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Reach here with your finger and see my hands, and reach here with your hand and put it into my side, and do not be unbelieving, but believing. Thomas answered and said to him, My Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, Because you have seen me, have you believed? Blessed are they who did not see and yet believed. Therefore, many other signs Jesus also performed in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book. But these have been written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life in his name. You may be seated. Let's bow in prayer. Father, we thank you for your word. 
We pray that you would speak to us today, just as you did to your disciples on that Sunday night so long ago. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. A lady in the church I was pastoring uh, asked me to make a hospital visit. That's not unusual, but her explanation was a little bit unusual. She said, I'd like you to visit my dad uh, in the hospital. He's got leukemia, and the doctors have told him that he's not going to make it. It's terminal. And my father does not believe in God. He's an atheist. And uh, I want you to go and save his soul. I felt a little pressure. (laughs) And then she said, uh, he's a retired FBI agent and bank examiner. And he used to teach comparative religion at the university. He's an atheist. And I thought, I'm in trouble. This man's so much smarter than I am. I can't argue him into anything. So I went into the room, introduced myself, and he introduced himself. I said, you know, your daughter asked me to come and and meet with with you. I'm her pastor, and and, uh, she really wants you to go to heaven when you die. And she wants you to be saved. Your daughter cares about you. And he said, I know. He said, I would like to believe. I would like to believe in God, and I would like to believe in heaven, but I don't. So I happen to have a Gospel of John with me, a copy of John's Gospel that we have read from today. And I said, I wonder if you would do an experiment. I would like to give you this Gospel of John. It's the book of the Bible that tells the story of Jesus, who he is and what he did. And at the very end of this book, it says that these things were written that you may believe. And I believe that faith comes by hearing. So I said, would you be willing to do an experiment? What I would like you to do is to take this Gospel of John, and before you read it, pray a prayer like this. God, if you really exist, and if you're really there, then show me what this is. Show me Jesus. He said he would do the experiment. I gave him about a week to work on it. I came back a week later, and when I walked in the room and looked at his face, I knew. And he looked at me and he said, I believe. Charles Haddon Spurgeon said, you do not need to defend the Bible any more than you need to defend a lion. Just let him loose and he'll defend himself. (laughs) This book was written for the purpose of convincing people who did not see of the facts that were seen by the disciple eyewitnesses. The four Gospels are the eyewitness accounts of those who knew Jesus for three years, who saw Him die, and who saw Him 
risen. This is the account. The Scriptures. And we've read in this passage that Thomas was Didymus, which means the twin. I've always wondered who Thomas's twin was. Maybe it's you. Sometimes he's called Doubting Thomas. Not in the Bible, but people call him Doubting Thomas. I don't call him Doubting Thomas. I call him Scientific Thomas. Because Thomas said, I'm not just going to believe it because some people told me something. Many times children, young people who grew up in a Christian home, in a Christian church, and always heard about Jesus, when they get to be teenagers, they start thinking. They do. They think. And they think, what if I was born in Saudi Arabia? Would I be a Muslim? Because my parents told me the story? Am I just a Christian because I happened to grow up here and that trusted, loving people told me this? What if loving, trusting people told me about Allah and Muhammad instead? And they start wondering about these things. Is it true? Is there evidence? And that was Thomas. Thomas said, I'm not good. It's all fine and good that you folks saw it and, and you believe that's fine. But he sets forth his requirements here. Now, one reason he was a week behind in the whole process was that he missed church. (laughs) Now, I could just preach on that. Because Jesus had appeared the previous Sunday night in that upper room. Thomas wasn't there. He was watching the live feed. I don't know. Whatever. He wasn't there. wasn't there. I was dealing with a man recently who spent his whole Christian life listening to tapes and CDs. Never gone to church, really. He asked me to try to help him with his depression and sleeplessness and some other things. And I said, you know, I just think that you need relationships and purpose in your life. And the best place to find those things for a retired person like yourself is to get involved in a real-life church where people know each other, care for each other, and are growing in the Lord together. It will give you purpose to serve the Lord together with others, and you will have that mutual encouragement that comes from being with God's people. Thomas missed the service. I won't spend the whole time there. But I'll tell you what, as as we see the days approaching, we must not fail to meet together. We have all the electronic means. You can listen to Charles Stanley and David Jeremiah, and you'll get a better message than you'll get from me. But I'll tell you what, when you meet together with God's people, something happens because this is the body of Christ. This is the bride of Christ. This is the building of God made of living stones. This is the place where the Holy Spirit will tailor a message for your heart and where others with different gifts will minister to you and you can minister. Do not forsake the assembling of yourselves together as the manner of some is, but so much the more as we see the day approaching. But Thomas was a scientist. He was a true scientist. 
He said, I want physical evidence. I want to see the risen Lord and make sure it's the same one that I knew for those three years. And I want to touch the wounds. I want to touch the wounds in his hands and feet and sides. And if I can see him and if I can touch him and I have empirical evidence, then I will believe. And even though Jesus wasn't there when he said it, Jesus heard everything. You know, Jesus hears everything you say because he's always there. And what did he do when he showed up? Did he say, Thomas, just believe? No, he didn't. He said, Thomas, come, put your fingers in the holes in my hands and in my feet. Thrust your hand in my side and be not faithless, but believing. Check out the evidence and come to a conclusion. That's what God calls us to do. Some people think faith is a leap in the dark, a leap into the unknown. That faith is believing what you know ain't so. It's not true. And they say science and faith are two different things. No. The true scientific method says check it out, examine the evidence. And Jesus invites the examination of the evidence. Lee Strobel was a reporter for the Chicago Tribune. His wife came to believe in Christ and she was praying for his salvation and seeking to witness to him. But he was a tough, hard-bitten reporter. An investigative reporter that liked to get to the bottom of things. Well, he checked it out. And he came to a conclusion. He concluded that in fact there was historical evidence for the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ and it changed his life. Maybe you've read the book or seen the movie. There was also a Civil War general by the name of Lew Wallace. I won't talk about which side of that Civil War he was on because I know where I am. But he ended up as the governor of the territory of New Mexico. And he was a scholar and a critic. He decided he would write a novel about the life of Jesus Christ and disprove the resurrection. Because he would study the history and write a novel that would become a popular novel that would undermine uh, the whole idea that Christians had about the resurrection. But when he began to do the historical research for his novel, he became convinced that Jesus did rise from the dead and Jesus changed his life. And that novel was called Ben-Hur. Check out the evidence, folks. Check out the evidence. There is evidence. And Christians are not afraid of the examination of those with truly scientific minds. I love Thomas because he was like the little guy in Sunday school who asked the question, you know? He was willing to ask the question that others were afraid to ask. But he asked it and he got the answer. Jesus said, 
come and check out the evidence and then make a conclusion. How sad it is today that people either jump to conclusions or they just continue to examine and examine and examine and examine and never come to a conclusion. We do not have the time to continue examining the evidence forever. Because we are living in that little dash, not in Fuquay Verena, but the dash between those two dates out on the stones, out in the cemetery. We are living a limited lifespan. We don't have forever to get this thing settled. In this life, we must make a decision about Jesus Christ. Before we die, we must make this decision. We are on a burning building. And we better get on Jesus' ladder that he extends to us from that fire truck before it's too late. Examine the evidence. And that is, read the Gospel of John with an open heart. I have had the privilege of sharing that experiment with a number of people since. And I've seen several come to believe in Christ by doing the simple experiment. Not to argue with people, but to say, this is the evidence. These are the words that God said would convince you if you will come with an open mind and if you will make a decision about it. You see, Thomas's issue was his will. And that really is the issue. What did he say? Unless, I see this, I will not believe. If you are willing to believe and you examine the evidence, then you will be saved. You will have the blessing that is described here in verse 29. Jesus said, because you have seen me, have you believed? Blessed are they who do not see and yet believe. What many blessings come when you're a believer in Jesus Christ. There is the blessing of a conscience that is clear before God. I tell you, that's the best sleep aid you can ever have, is a clear conscience. What a wonderful thing. Because God cleanses our conscience with his blood. What a great assurance we have that when we look at that cemetery and we say, when my time comes, I know I'm going to be with the Lord in heaven. Why? Because I believe in Jesus, that he died for my sins and he rose again. There are so many blessings that come, but they only come on the other side of belief. Because belief is a decision that we make on the basis of the evidence. And this is the evidence. That is what God is calling us to do today. Why was this written? Verse 31. These have been written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and the believing you may have life. Life in His name. True life is not merely the physical life that we enjoy in this world. It is eternal life with God forever. Would you bow your heads in prayer with me? And if you have come to that place in your spiritual life where with Thomas you have said, my Lord and my God, 
I know I'm saved. I know I'm going to heaven. Would you just lift your hand as a testimony and say, yes, I know I'm saved. I'm sure of it. Jesus is in my life. I know that if I died today, I would go to heaven. Praise God for so many hands that can be raised. But some of you could not raise your hands. And very honestly, you said, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. You can be sure today on the basis of God's word. I invite you to believe in Christ right now, right where you are. With heads bowed and eyes closed, you can talk to God in your heart. Just silently pray like I did many years ago. A prayer like this. Dear God, I know I'm a guilty sinner. I cannot save myself. Jesus, I believe that you died for me and rose again. Jesus, I receive you into my life as my Lord and Savior. Thank you for the free gift of eternal life. And Father, I pray for those who prayed with me to receive Christ today. I pray that you'd give them the courage and the love to share with other believers their faith in Christ, and to follow Christ in baptism, in church membership, and in moving forward to experience the abundant life now and forever found in Christ alone. We thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you pray with me, please? Our Father in heaven, eternity past and eternity future, point to this wonderful day that we celebrate today, Easter, the resurrection of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We thank you, Father, for a love so great that you gave your only begotten Son, that he died for us, and that whosoever believes in him would not perish, but have eternal life. We thank you, Jesus, for a love so great that you willingly suffered, died on the cross to take the place for us and our sins. I ask you, Father, that you would go with us and with this wonderful story of resurrection from that, that we would go forth and we would be eager to share the gospel and this glorious hope with all those that we come in contact with and all that happens. Let us give you the glory and the praise in Jesus' name. Amen.